When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to stay tuned after today's interview for Holla Back. That's my Q&A where I'm answering questions from my listeners, so be sure to stay tuned. My next guest is an American radio and television talk show host, producer, and writer. He is the host and executive producer of Bravo's late night talk show, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And he serves as an executive producer of the Real Housewives franchise. He also has a pop culture channel on Sirius XM Radio named Radio Andy. Holla and welcome Andy Cohen. Thanks for having me on. I am so excited to have you on the show. So you and I met on Housewives, but a lot of people yes, may not. We did. Yes. But a lot of people may not know, you know, unless they read Most Talkative, which of course millions have. But can you just tell us, like, how did Housewives happen for you? Housewives came about from a pitch. And it was a man named Scott Dunlap who had this video that he made of these women in his community in Cota de Casa in Orange County. And their hair was blonder and their boobs were bigger than anything that I had ever seen. And They lived in these big houses, and one of them had like a water park in her backyard. That turned out to be Vicki Gunvalson. And, you know, the tape that he submitted was very weird from what I recall. But what we saw on it were these women that just were different. And it was around the time that Desperate Housewives were hitting, and we had the idea that we would, you know, make kind of a reality soap opera with these women and that it would be told by women were the main characters, which is why in the show open in those early years, we had the families and kids behind the women. It was all about the women and it was from their point of view. And, you know, it was a rough start. It, It took a while for us to get it right. But once we did, then we had additional casting for the moms in New York. And we were like, wait, we could turn this into a Real Housewives, too. So that's a very bullet point way of telling you how it started. 
Well, an idea turned into a bigger idea turned into a years later, like multi, you know, million dollar franchise with grave, you know, amazing popularity. And so congratulations to you on that. (laughs) Thank you. I can't, I, I would be remiss in saying that we're recording this on election day and obviously it will, right. you know, air after election day. So you try, Andy, to be representative of what's really happening in culture right now. I mean, that's really, you know, housewivesy, right? But how do you balance what's really happening in culture today with what your platform is and what you're known for when producing a show like The Housewives, when bringing up important issues is not maybe necessarily what you know the cast wants or necessarily what the fans want when they have, I guess, traditionally tuned into The Housewives to kind of tune out of their own situations, worlds, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Can we talk about it's- that balance today and, and the future of that? I think it's a really good question. And I think your closest friend from the Housewives is Carol, who we were shooting in 2016 and the election was happening. And I think there were probably a good chunk of the women who were absolutely fine just pretending it wasn't happening and not being involved. And Carol, to her credit, was really involved. And I love that we followed her. I thought it was so great. And I thought it was inspirational, the the stuff she was doing. And she went with her mom to Canvas, I think in Pennsylvania. And I thought it was really cool. And I was very proud that we showed that. And then, you know, what happened is that Trump won and it became kind of a big downer on the show because there were a lot of people on both sides of the issue who didn't want to relive it, you know? which was interesting, you know, from my end, I was like, I had been so excited that it was happening. And then to relive it, I think a lot of viewers felt like that was, you know, a big drag a little bit. So in terms of the future, it's really interesting because the show has always been a really interesting reflection of a certain group of people's reality. And sometimes that reflection is not what people want to see reflected. And sometimes it is. And I think, you know, look, you're in the middle of something right now where we have our first Black housewife on New York. And I think without giving anything away, there are conversations happening that we haven't seen on that show before. And I think that's going to be really interesting and really helpful, actually, in a weird way to a lot of people watching. So I think that when we can reflect things while still not losing sight on the fact that this show is basically a soap opera that's meant to be entertaining, then that's when we get it right. But it's also hard to know. This is an unscripted show. So we're not coming up with ideas for what stories that we should portray. We're following the women and we follow the story as it happens, as you know. And so we're kind of always figuring it out. And sometimes I hold my breath and I pray and sometimes I am right. I'm really wrong. (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, the casting, right? Like as as the show evolves and as life evolves, you know, yeah, the casting of the dynamic, you know, housewife that has the dynamic, uh, you know, story and has 
real life, you know, feelings about that. I mean, I remember the election. I was at that election. I, I made a, you know, I, I made a cameo that season yeah, you and, were. Yes, you were. and I filmed it. And I remember thinking about when it was airing, like, wow, I have to relive those feelings that I felt that night. And I, I thought to myself, really, as an entrepreneur, as a fashion girl, I thought it's almost like a runway show. Like you put the runway show out and then you have to wait four months until it actually sees retail and, you know, people can actually uh-huh. buy. And I, I was I was literally in my mind assimilating what, you know, we do on The Housewives, what you guys do as producers on The Housewives to keep a current topic, something that's happening in pop culture today, how to keep it current when you can't really air it until, you know, days, weeks or even months after it happened. And that's a rock in a hard place, right? So I wonder if the future of the show might be like what me and Puffy did and we started live streaming certain things, you know? Just just an idea. Right. Well, you know? you know, that's well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that we're facing, and I think it's really been a issue, I would assume, on keeping up with the Kardashians knows from social media and from paparazzi, what the Kardashians are doing every day. You know, yeah. I mean, they're just out there and it becomes something. And and I think with the housewives, sometimes they start, you know, broadcasting on social media or posting a lot of stuff from a trip. And I'm like, I'm the guy who's like, oh, stop, stop posting this. Like, you you know, it's going to feel stale when it comes out in six months. You right. know, right. I mean, the world is being live streamed, essentially. And I think that is something of a challenge for certain shows. Yeah. And maybe for certain content, you know what I mean? That there has to become like this, you know, the favorite world word of today is hybrid, you know, the hybrid model. I mean, even the fourth wall, like, I mean, I've been off the show for six years. Can you believe it? Six years. Yeah. I know it's incredibly crazy, but how time flies, but even the fourth wall changed a lot for me. You know what I mean? Now, like the show is so popular and yes, I always talk about it as a soap opera. You should be able to tune right in and jump kind of right back in on where everything was. But you know, a lot of fourth wall has changed too with social media and people discussing things or discussing the reality versus the edited reality. I mean, is that becoming challenging for you or do you like that idea of just kind of keeping it all, you know, open. No, I, I, well, we've been breaking the fourth wall a lot more on the shows in the last couple of years. And I think that, and I think viewers have really liked that. And we fought so hard for so many years not to do that. And that we wanted it just to be an organic experience. You know, the New York housewives were different when they kind of started because the New York post or page six became something of a character on The Real Housewives of New York. And I, at the beginning, thought that was so weird because I was like, wait, wait, but these are housewives in New York. So why are they talking about being in the paper? They're in the paper because they're on the show. We were breaking the fourth wall in that way, you know? And that's happened in other cities too. But now it's really hard to deny okay, yes, these women are real housewives, but they're also really famous and they're on this show and they have different lives now because they're on the show. It's just hard to kind of deny that. Okay, so you kind of like, I mean, it used to be the reunions, you know, you let it all rip and let it down. And I, I kind of love yeah. that, you know, but now, uh, all right, so good to know for the for the old six-year-old, <laughs> six-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> right. 
So, you know, I want to talk about, you know, you made a social post yesterday, you know, supporting Joe Biden, and I thought it was beautifully written, you know, and you're now a parent. Yeah. You know, as a parent, you know, there's a real personal stake in all of this. I mean, we won't know when this airs even, we may not know what the outcome of the election is. But I want to discuss really like Amy Coney Barrett's threat to the LGBTQ community, women's rights. You lobbied for surrogacy to be legal in New York and won. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're about highs and lows, you know, Andy, like you are. And I know yeah, that about yeah. you and the show's about you. And, you know, we're right now at a low as far as I'm concerned in this country. And, you know, I want to talk about how you feel about where we are today. Obviously, we need deep healing no matter who's elected. Well, yeah, I mean, but listen, I feel like hopefully this conversation might be outdated in 24 hours when, you know, or whenever we know who the next president is going to be. What I do know is one thing that Trump has been incredibly successful at is dividing this country even further. I mean, when I, when he came in, it was divided, but I think that he has very effectively destabilized what the word truth means. And he has destabilized the press and the media. And I view that all as it's very dangerous what he was so successful at doing. And, you know, we've got to figure out a way that we can come together. And I think with social media and there are so many tools working against us all coming together. And that's really scary. But in terms of the Supreme Court and women's rights and equality, yeah, I think we're we're also at a dangerous time there. There are a lot of laws that are under threat and we have our suspicions of how the new justice is going to lean, but we don't know for sure. I mean, I think that even Kavanaugh, there have been a couple rulings that and I I think I'm right in saying that people were surprised by where he came down on them. I think that's a valid point. You know, there's obviously preconceived notions by actions of people and the way their resume, so to speak. But, you know, when you're on the Supreme Court and, you know, the decision is in front of you, I guess we don't know what we know until we know it, you know, and I, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, and I think that there's going to be a big resurgence in the youth. Our youth is more involved and more aware in what's going on in the country than I, I, I can. I'm going to speak for us both than when we were kids. I don't know about your household, yeah. but, you know, mine was like politics are for you later. You don't have to worry about it now. It's not child's play. So I think that that shift will hopefully encourage people to stand up and stand out for, you know, right and wrong. I have to yeah. believe that. Well, me too. And I think, you know, the, already the voter turnout among young people is higher than it's been. And that certainly is something that could give us a little bit of hope. I mean, you know, it used to be that politics was something that people, it, I mean, there was dignity, of course, in the office of the president. I mean, it was something that people, you know, you looked up to the president and that was, they were role models. So I, I hope that we can get that back. 
Listen, LGBTQ plus people continue to face moral judgment about whether they're suitable parents. Things are being questioned that we never thought would be questions again. Roe v. Wade. Climate change is real, right? You know, as parents, like a handmaiden Supreme yeah. Court is real. You know, a $2 trillion plus deficit that's going to, you know, encroach on our social programs in the future is real. And so how do we get people involved? It's not just today's election. It's tomorrow's election. It's every election. And I would be remiss by not, you know, pressuring you as a public figure and as someone who's vocal about this and has some pretty good personal stakes in it to tell the listeners why it's so important to get involved and to to, to explain to them why their vote counts. Well, listen, I mean, I, I think the reasons you just said, I know someone who's 21, who's a senior in college, and I said, what is the vibe? What are your friends saying? And he's like, I, I, you know, and he said, I know I'm, I'm voting for Biden, but I don't know why to tell them to do it. And I was like, well, what issues does your generation care about? We talked about Black Lives Matter, and we talked about the environment. I mean, to me, equality and the environment are the two issues that everybody should be able to relate to and get behind because that is quite literal. Everything kind of is hanging on those two things. I mean, nobody wants the planet to go under and nobody wants us all not to be treated equally. I mean, those are the two most basic human rights. Yes. (laughs) I think those are the two issues that, everybody can agree are really important and affect everybody. Those two should be very motivating for people as far as I'm concerned. You guys ever wake up some mornings when you just are feeling like ready to pull the covers back over your head and lay back down and get some more Z's? Well, no judgment, of course. But wouldn't it be great if it's because having the most comfortable sheets was the reason why you wanted to pull those sheets over your head? Well, if you don't love your sheets, I'm going to share with you my favorite sleep secret, and that's Brooklinen. They have you covered. It was started by Rich and Vicky. They tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen. It's really the first direct-to-consumer bedding company that I ever saw. And it has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and your specific tastes. I mean, Brooklinen is so confident you love their products. They offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. Well, they'll never get my sheets back. In fact, one set isn't enough. I oftentimes wash them and wait for them to wash and dry to put them right back on my bed instead of switching them out with another set. Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year is coming up. And so I wanted to share that with you because if you have people on your list who are hard to please... Head to brooklinen.com and check out their entire selection of bedding, towels, loungewear, and even more. The sale starts on November 18th, but I don't like to wait. So Brooklinen is partnering with me and you can go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code in my heart to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. So that's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And just enter the promo code in my heart for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and start getting the best night's sleep that you can right now on the best sheets you can get your hands on. I love them. Don't sleep on it. 
I want to talk a little bit about spirituality for a second, just in life generally. You know, is there anything that you do spiritually, you know, that you read, that you listen, even in right now, today's culture of the, you know, partisanship and how divided we are, that you help heal yourself? How do you ground yourself that we, we, we can share with others? Yeah, I mean, I think now the thing that grounds me is my son. Yeah. And I never have that. And I think I've not necessarily been someone who is the deepest thinker about himself or where I want to go. My philosophy about things is pretty kitchen table. But I think that in my 40s, in my late 40s, one thing that I did was I wrote and published two diaries of my life. Yeah. And I think that in doing that, when you write down what you do every day for three years, it certainly causes you to think about what you're doing in your life a little bit in a way that you may not have if you were just living your life. And I was like, okay, dude, like, what is next for you? Because life is not just about partying and having a talk show. Because when you're old, that's not going to keep you company. And right. so I had always wanted a family and, and that really forced me to come to the point where I was like, okay, you're either going to have a child now or you're never going to do it. And so I have a lot of gratitude that that kind of confluence of things led me to that decision. And that's a very long winded answer in saying that it is then that really keeps me grounded. And I'm Jewish and I go to the high holidays and I have a sense of tradition around that and around being Jewish and, and the holidays. And I will raise him with that and he will be bar mitzvah. But I would be lying to you if I said Judaism is the thing that really grounds me and makes me at peace. It's a combination, I think, all of us. I mean, I, you know, not being raised Jewish and then raising my children Jewish, I mean, one of the things I love the most about Judaism and the religion is uh, the reflection. The reflection of your year, of your relationships, of your behaviors, of your actions, and, and the request for forgiveness, and then that that need to forgive others, you know what I mean? That's what the religion says. Like, yeah. you've got to reflect. And I, for those of you who don't know, the days between Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are not like, you know, Christmas. There's no big celebration. It's somber. It's 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 reflective. And I love that about the religion. Everybody should look into that because we all should do that. So that's really cool, Anne. Like, you writing about your life, journaling, so to speak, really made you look at your life and some of the decisions and, you know, what became important to you and obviously being a parent. And I do want to talk about that just for a second, because I don't know that if people really understand that how hard it is for a gay, you know, single man to adopt a child or to make a child of his own. Can you share with folks out there that are, you know, LGBTQ, gay, whatever, not, you know, conforming to, any any tips that you can give them for how to go after what you want and that you have the right to be a parent and it, because it is hard it's not easy and i don't think that people recognize that it wasn't easy for you to you know make the decision and then just make it happen can you talk a little bit about that experience it's so funny someone actually very famous and very surprising said to me oh did you have a child was it by design and i was like yeah it was 
they couldn't have been more by design. I mean, <laughs> you can't, a, a single gay man does not, a stork does not drive by and just <laughs> plop a baby there. So there are so many ways that a gay person can have a book. And I will just say, there's a book called Your Future Family, The Essential Guide to Assisted Reproduction that kind of lays out ways that this can happen. And it can be very expensive, but it doesn't have to be. There are a lot of different avenues. And also adoption is viable. And I know many gay people who have adopted kids, and that's an incredible way to go. And in my case, there was a an agency that I worked with that puts people together with egg donors and surrogates and they put you together and they do a step-by-step hand-holding through the process and you they take you through it and and guide you through it and I had the resources to do that but a lot of people don't and if you don't I would say don't be discouraged because it's within your reach too. I mean, there just happen to be so many different ways that you could go about it. You could get a friend to donate an egg. You could just get an egg donated and then have a friend be your surrogate. So there are ways, it doesn't have to be a full tilt. Oh my God, I'm going to go broke doing this. People shouldn't be scared off by that notion. Right. I love that. So you guys go after what you want. If you want it, it's theirs for you. We, you know, you have support, you have community and you have to lean on your, I call them your rope team, you know, from my climbing days, you know, we got to talk a little bit about where in the middle of this pandemic and we're all adjusting to what everyone's called, you know, calling this new normal. And, you know, there's been a lot of learnings for me, particularly through this time, because it is a time uh, for someone that was 100 miles an hour like I I am and you are, we've been forced to slow down, like sit the fuck down. And yeah. that has been, you know, both difficult and also rewarding for me. Can you talk about some of the things that you've learned or discovered, you know, what's changed your life during these times? The headline for me is the amount of time that I've gotten to spend with Ben that I otherwise never would have gotten. And I think as a single parent, that means so much to me. Like we're so bonded and we already were bonded, but this has just been a gift for me in that regard. And what's wild is, look, we all had so much fun stuff planned for 2020. I mean, I was going to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I had my staff lying out and my family and friends and I had a party planned and, you know, that went away and vacations and so much that we all had planned. And what's wild is that every week on Thursday, a flight would come up in my calendar. Right. It was like, oh, you know, I would wake up Thursday morning and it would be like, you know, JFK to LA, JFK to wherever, every Thursday, because I would, I would leave town almost every weekend for one thing or another. Right. So it was really interesting just having to sit there and look at that flight and say to myself, okay, you're not going anywhere and kind of deal with how does that feel to be confined? And I guess the headline for me was it felt fine. I didn't mind it. Here I was, I lived my life fueled by all these trips and running around and doing, doing, doing. And when it all went away, 
I was pretty good. I mean, there were moments early on, I would say, you know, the first three months I had COVID and I was alone. And then, you know, it really was me and Ben and his nanny here. And Mm -hmm. I really, after three months, I felt very alone. I was, you know, I mean, obviously I wasn't alone because I was with Ben and the nanny, but the truth is I was alone. I mean, a baby is a baby, you know, and (laughs) it caused me to sit with my feelings and sit with, you know, that loneliness and solitude. And I think that that was something that, you know, maybe I had been running from, or maybe I was scared of. And once faced with it, it wasn't so bad. Totally. I love that. So like getting in touch with self, you know what I mean? When you slow down yeah. and you look in the mirror and you go, Hey, I'm okay. That's pretty cool. I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, I mean, h- how about, you know, and does it, has it changed your thoughts on, you know, your love life? Like obviously your relationships. I mean, a lot has changed over the last eight months and you have a new baby and has any of this, uh, you know, changed your thoughts on your love life or relationships or what you're looking for in a partner? At the beginning, I thought that it was going to, it's so hard. I, I Dating with a kid is so hard. I already felt like I had a lot of baggage because I was kind of, you know, people knew who I was and I had this big life. And I also had, I'm very set in my ways. You know, the older guys get without, while they're single, the more set in in their ways they are. Guys become very selfish and you know, look, this is how I do it. And this is how I like it. And this is how I'm used to it. And I am not immune to that. I have to say, throwing a kid into the equation certainly throws a wrench into all of that. And that's, but it's a beautiful wrench and it was by design. I can't say that I have been really seriously thinking or looking for it. Yeah. You know, but what's funny is, Heather, you know, there's some hot dads on the playground uh, in my (laughs) neighborhood. You know, I go there and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is interesting, you know. And so maybe some of those hot dads are single dads. So you never know. But then again, you're like, oh, I'm going to blend my family. What? Like, so in my mind, it's a lot to overcome. And so, but you never know. Well, then go back to the old you and don't overthink it too much and just go with the yeah, flow, right. honey, because that sounds perfect because, you know, there was life before Match.com and there'll be life after Match.com. And so I love that organic side. You know, well, I do want to ask two more things. And can I talk about like some of your dreams, given where we are in the world today? What are your dreams as a father for Ben? I'm just trying to set up a really nice life for him. I'm happy. And I want him to, I grew up so differently. I grew up in St. Louis with two parents and a sister. And it was really like Mayberry when I think about it now. So I just want to set up a nice life for him. I want, I worry about the planet and the state of the world that um, that we're leaving to him. But my my wishes for him are really simple, just that he has friends and he's ha- that he's a happy kid. You know, right. I, I would like him to have an uncomplicated life. Yes. Well, if you teach him the aspect that you have and that you, you know, allow differences and welcome, you know, diversity and make room for all types of people, then I think that he'll have that for sure. 
Yeah, I hope so. Me too, baby. Okay, so a couple more things. So I want you to tell me what some of your favorite things right now. Like, what are you into? What's like, you know, making you tick, at, you know, through COVID or outside of COVID or things that have saved you from, you know, the craziness of the state of where we are? Like, anything that you can share with us that we should be looking into that's like, you know, been helpful well, to you? Well, a few things. Chiba Chews Sativa sent 10 milligram edibles are my jam. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You know, for me, edibles, when you find the one that gets you high in the way you like to get high, the brilliant thing is then you know your dose, you know what it is, and you know exactly how it's going to make you feel. And there's power to that. Yes. So there's that. And then... You know, look, because of Ben, I'm really into kids' books and mm-hmm. because I read them over and over and over. So I'm really like the king of the hun- hungry little caterpillar and brown bear, brown bear. <laughs> and that's really occupying a lot of my time. Navigating the playground is navigating a lot of my time. And, you know, I just play the Grateful Dead on an endless loop in my house. And that gives me great peace of mind. And watching Ben dance to music gives me great peace of mind too. I love that. Last night we were rocking out in the car to uh, Black is King. Don't never take my power, my power. We were like (laughs) blasting it, you know, that, that has been my theme song through COVID and everything that's going on. So I really can appreciate that. Okay. And last but not least, So how do you act and find freedom in your life? Like I always, you know, freedom means so many different things to so many people. And I think on any given day, it can change. But how do you find your freedom? How do you live fearlessly and really like stay true to who you are? How do you do that? And what are some of your freedoms? How do you find it? You know, people would be surprised to know I don't turn on my TV very much. I find my balance through music. I listen to music. I had to turn it off to do this with you, but... I listen to music almost nonstop from when I wake up in the morning until I go to bed at night. I turn the music off before I go to bed at night. I'm not a big TV guy. You know, music really chills me out. And I have to say, my dog used to really chill me out. He just brought me so much peace. And I never felt like I was alone when he was around. I just think the energy and the quality of having a dog as a companion is, I think it does so much for your peace of mind. And it's really an incredible gift having a dog. I totally agree with that. I have a dog, Jesse. You haven't met him yet, but he came after Waka. And I know you've had to make decisions and changes in your life. It's hard, you know, balancing children and dogs and all that kind of stuff. But I love that you encourage uh, dog ownership. And a lot of people have done that. But yeah, they really are man's best friend. And Jesse's one of my favorite things. One of my very favorite things. Well, my friend, I love talking to you. You know, I could talk to you for another hour as we do. And I wish, you know, we got to catch up soon. Yeah, for sure. But thank you so much for being on the show. Most people know where to find you. Thank you and congrats on your podcast. I mean, there's so much. I'm so glad you're doing it. And I have always been a big advocate of you doing a podcast because, listen, you're a know-it-all in the best possible way. I mean, (laughs) it's like business, parenting, relationships life, overcoming obstacles, like you tick a lot of boxes. So I feel like you've got a lot of different directions you can go in this podcast. And I'm excited that your voice is out there on on the regular. So thanks for having me on. And thanks for doing this. 
Are you kidding me? I love you. And thank you for that. And all your support always. I remember, I'll never forget the first time we ever met. I don't know if you remember me walking into your office and you, oh I my do. God. Well, what's weird is people may not realize this, but yeah, I mean, we were recount, we fired all those housewives Yes. and we were so nervous about where we were going. And I knew Carol Yes. And I didn't know you right. and I and and you came to my office and what happened? Yes. What's your memory? You and Christian, you and Christian Barcelona's was there. Well, good old Christian. Right. And yeah, yes. and I remember I know you sized me up, Andy Cohen. I will, but in the most amazing way. You were like, when I walked in the room, I think you just immediately like got me or liked me or felt a vibe or whatever. And you had this big, huge smile on, and I just returned a big, huge smile, and you looked me from my head to my toe, up and down, and you went, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just never, I'll just never forget it. And then we sat down and talked. And I remember one of your concerns with me is like, come on, can you really bring it? Like you're, you're very nice and balanced. Like, come on, you got to bring it. And I was like, well, when I feel passionate about a cause, I'm like a dog with a bone. And I think I definitely proved myself. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Andy Cohen. This is in my heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along at I am Heather T and send me any questions. Don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcast and join us next week for another episode. Andy, every know, everyone knows where to follow you, but find you. But just in case, give us a shout out where we can find you. Bravo Andy on Instagram. Watch what happens live. Radio Andy on Sirius and at Andy on Twitter. And you're the best. I love you, baby. Be well. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Welcome to Hollaback. This is the part of my podcast where I answer all of your questions. My first question today is from Yvonne Osway, at Osway. Yvonne asks, when did you know that you wanted to start your own business and which factors do you think have been important in making your businesses succeed? Ah, okay. So the idea for my very first business came out of personal need. They always say, or I've heard it said, and I'm sure you have too, that necessity is the mother of all invention. So when I had my idea for uh, my first shapewear product that I patented, I knew that right away there was a need for it, that there was a white space out there for it. And so I had an idea that I knew there was going to be a market for because after I had designed it for myself, many years had gone by and I would look around in the market and, and there was nothing like it there. So I immediately I knew that I had something good. My next question is from Jenny Esther at Jenny Esther. Jenny asks, how to take that leap of faith of becoming your own boss? You got to just take it, Jenny. That's truly the answer. When I started my first business, I had an idea. I had a belief in myself and I had encouragement from others to, and support from others to go after what I wanted. So you have to believe in yourself. And if you have any doubts, you got to really listen to yourself and say, hey, what are these doubts? And, and are they just fear? Or is it my conscious saying, hey, 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 you might not have checked all the boxes yet. So I think the most important thing right now for you is to, or for anybody in this situation, is to really get in touch with self. Take some time to let your mind think all the things it wants to think. And know that you are in control of pushing doubt aside. So, oh, you're not good enough. You'll never be able to do it. It's not going to work. Those are all doubt, doubt, doubt. That's fear. That's the ego. It loves to crush us. So you got to move that out. Okay. But listen to 
How will you balance both for the next few weeks? Uh, where, where will the financing come from, right? So let your mind ask you the right questions and then focus in on getting the answers to those questions. And by the way, you might not have every answer to every question, but your confidence will build when you're answering yourself, right? When you're answering your own questions of self. So get confident about your idea and get confident that you can make anything happen if you put your mind to it. And don't be afraid of failure because we all hit the mat. We all get back up, right? And then how do you how do you go back to the game after you've had any type of, you know, some people like to call failure, I like to call lesson. So have some faith in yourself, girlfriend. You got this and everybody else, you do too. Love you all and keep those questions coming.